part four of the queer review of Die Another Day is You Go Girls. Except this time it's really just the one girl. But what a girl she is. Although Jancita Jinx Johnson is not the first of the series' female Bond characters, she's the one who most closely mirrors his non-binary combination of masculine and feminine qualities, as well as traits of a stereotypical gay man. Like Bond, she is rueful about her lack of long-term commitment. Jinx says, Let's just say my relationships don't seem to last. Bond agrees. Hmm, I know the feeling. Their first meeting is crammed with witty repartee. This is usually the preserver Bond himself, an element of the character which has helped him fit the stereotypical template of the gay man since Doctor No. Dino the Day has all of the main characters trying to outpun and outgag each other. The dialogue rarely bears any resemblance to the way human beings actually talk. The spectacularly arch confrontation between Bond and Moon slash Graves in the Ice Palace provides a psychoanalytical explanation for all these quips. Graves says, I chose to model the disgusting Gustav Graves on you, just in the details. That unjustifiable swagger, your crass quips, a defence mechanism concealing such inadequacy. By Graves' logic, are all the quipping characters concealing inadequacies? Or did writers Purvis and Wade just not want to kill any of their darlings? In Jinx's case, she appears to have little in the way of inadequacy, although taking on a helicopter with an oversized silenced pistol might unwittingly support Lacan's controversial hypothesis concerning the phallus. See this discussion in the Allies episode of this podcast. Jinx's quips are less a defence mechanism and more a statement of her lack of sexual inhibition. Jinx's dialogue is no more crass than Bond's, but perhaps is looked on less appreciatively by some because they're not accustomed to hearing a woman being so sexually forward. It's a double standard. Bond says, I'm just here for the birds. Ornithologist. Jinx replies, Ornithologist, huh? Wow. Now there's a mouthful. Bird is British slang for young woman. Increasingly seen as quite a patronising term, the US equivalent would be chick. Jinx does not appear to take offence, but she does seize the opportunity to escalate the sexual tension considerably by suggestively gazing off-screen at Bond's crotch. In her actions, as well as her words, Jinx is positioned as more dominant than most Bond girls. Sexually dominant women queer heteronormativity which rests on the assumption that femininity equals subservience. While our first gaze of a bikini-clad jinx emerging from the ocean might appear to merely reinforce heteronormativity, it's worth remembering that when Honey Rider did the same thing in Doctor No, this also subverted audience expectations of femininity. Jinx updates the idea with a more savage-looking knife sticking out of her belt, another piece designed by gay artisans Whitaker Malam. Despite succumbing to damselhood at various points, Jinx sometimes has more agency than Bond. While Bond is being duped by Miranda in bed, it's Jinx who does the spying, uncovering that Graves has the dream machine, which is the piece of the puzzle which Bond needs to work out his true identity. When Jinx is captured, she insults Zhao with a phrase more commonly heard when men are insulting other men, your mama or 
in British English, your mom. Men's feelings of filial piety have been a target for insults for millennia. Experts in Babylonian linguistics have uncovered your mama jokes inscribed on stone tablets. Reinforcing Jinx's masculinity in this scene, Kill intends to use a laser to cut Jinx into pieces, recalling Golfing's attempt to castrate and bisect Bond. This time around, Jinx is in Bond's place. In her final confrontation with Miranda Frost, Jinx kills her opponent by stabbing her through the heart with Graves' copy of The Art of War. A text which has been lapped up by warmongering men for more than two millennia, its teachings are still applied in traditionally male-dominated fields, such as business and politics. In 2010, a female Sun Tzu scholar, Chin Ning Chu, published her Art of War for Women in order to, quote, provide women with the strategies we all need to overcome the obstacles that stand in the way of our goals and dreams. The original Art of War is perhaps not as masculine as we might think, though. Until the early 20th century, it was believed that Sun Tzu made a name for himself only through the assistance of women. The story goes that when the King of Wu asked Sun Tzu to demonstrate the efficacy of his art, he did so by forming the king's concubines into an army. His approach was not unproblematic. When they didn't obey orders the first time, he beheaded the leaders, making the rest fall into line. Arguably, the same thing would happen with male soldiers. For instance, the Romans used decimation, executing one-tenth of your fighting force, to bring the critical mass under control. Although the story of the concubines being formed into ranks is probably apocryphal, it remained largely unquestioned until the 20th century, going to show that women can just be as capable as men in the fighting arena. This is certainly the case here in Die Another Day. The sword and knife fight between Jinx and Frost is far more visceral than the fight between Bond and Graves. The latter, relying more on guile and gadgets than the women's brute force and swiftly executed moves. Theirs is the real cockfight, a showdown of two alpha females with reclaimed phallic symbols in their grips. Even so, the women retain their essential femininity, underscored by Jinx's final invocation to Frost, Utilising a uh, pejorative epithet, conventionally applied to women. I'm talking, of course, of uh, read this bit. Yes, you get the idea. Jinx versus Frost is more dramatically satisfying than Bond versus Graves too. On first glance, Die Another Day appears to but a trend established in Brosnan's tenure for the hench person to be killed after the main villain, Boris in Goldeneye. Stamper in Tomorrow Never Dies, Reynard in The World Is Not Enough. But here, the main villain, Graves, dies after the hench person, Frost. That is, if we accept that Graves is the main villain and not Frost. Bond has a far more personal reason to despise Frost than he does Graves. She's the one who sets him up in the pre-title sequence and therefore sets the rest of the film's plot in motion. So it would be more cathartic to have Bond square off against Frost than to have Jinx finish the job. Social and cinematic conventions make it more acceptable to have a woman fight another woman on screen than a man fight a woman. Although as recently as the previous film, we saw Bond kill a female villain, Electra. 
I would argue that the real dramatic resolution of Die Another Day comes when Jinx stabs Frost through the chest. David Arnold certainly scores it as such, with the music for this section of the fight having far more bombast than the scoring for the Bond-Graves fight, which is nowhere near as heightened. The battle feels like it's already been won by this point, and Bond just needs to run the victory lap by pulling Graves' ripcord. The effect is to reposition Jinx as the main hero at almost the last minute. It's Bond's quick thinking, piloting the helicopter out of the ailing Antonov, that saves them both. But the overall impression we're left with is of Jinx taking out the main villain, in the process subverting gender norms, breaking the henchperson dies after the main villain cycle, and imbuing our memory of the film with even more non-binariness. The final part of the Die Another Day queer review covers the film's camp qualities. Now, the camp section is usually one of the shorter sections of one of these queer reviews, but that's not going to be the case with Die Another Day. 